Hello, this is Nikdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 8th of September. India has reported a little more than 75,000 new cases of the novel coronavirus, a slight decrease over the past few days due to reporting delays over the weekend. The nation's total now stands at almost 43 lakh or 4.3 million cases. 1,129 deaths were documented due to the virus yesterday and the cumulative death toll is now 72,830. This is the highest number of deaths in a single day India has seen in over a month. In response to the worries about recent caseload surges in the state of Punjab and Chandigarh, the Union Health Ministry today sent a team to both areas. The teams are appointed to assist in improving containment, surveillance, testing and clinical management of affected patients to reduce mortality and provide guidance on timely diagnosis and follow-ups. Another state which has invited a union government team to assess its situation is Tripura, which reported 628 new cases yesterday and worryingly is one of the states with the highest number of active cases per capita in the country. The Nagaland government on Monday announced a slew of relaxations on lockdown restrictions including isolation norms for those coming to the states from other parts of the country. Under the new rules, people coming to the state on official visits and leaving within 48 hours will not be required to undergo quarantine periods anymore. Following recent relaxations in lockdown measures for transport services across the country, India's monuments and attractions will now reopen to the public. The Agra District Administration announced yesterday that the Taj Mahal and the Agra Fort will be open for tourists from September 21st. Tourism policies similar to those in other countries such as Italy have been adopted in India. Visitors are expected to reserve an entrance appointment online and both monuments have caps on total capacity. The Taj Mahal for example which is normally visited by approximately 20,000 tourists per day will now be open to only 5,000 visitors who will have to book their tickets in advance. In Maharashtra the state government has once again reduced the cost of COVID-19 tests placing a price cap of 1200 rupees for tests conducted in laboratories. Testing and diagnostic agencies have been asked to pass along the benefits of recent reductions in the cost of personal protective equipment and medical tools to end customers. In other health-related news, we had reported on Daily Dose last week that the government of Meghalaya had found that 877 newborns and 61 pregnant women had died in the state in the last four months alone. In order to provide you with more information on this story, we spoke to Patricia Mukhim, who is the editor of Shillong Times, one of the oldest newspapers in the state. She joined the latest edition of our weekly podcast News Laundry Hafta where she gave us insight into Meghalaya's maternal and neonatal mortality crisis and spoke about her personal experiences working to create awareness about contraception, reproductive rights and family planning in rural areas of the state. Here is an audio snippet from the interview which you can listen to in its entirety on newslaundry.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Shillong has now developed slums in different parts and these are the places where you would see poverty. Yeah, you there were no slums in Shillong out and, yeah. and selling, you know, selling bookmarks for 5 rupees. I mean a bookmark that costs only 50 paisa is being sold for 2 rupees or 5 rupees. and if you ask them why they are out on the streets they'll say we can't afford to go to school then where's your where are your parents my mother goes to work where's father father has left this father has left is is a very common uh, response 
Episodes of News Laundry Hafta are available for free for the next few weeks, but soon they will be available only to our subscribers. Only days after the Indian military reported thwarted Chinese maneuvers at the line of actual control on the India-China border in Ladakh, tensions heightened again yesterday night after the Chinese military claimed that Indian troops had fired warning shots at its soldiers. A translation of the statement made by China reads and I quote, "During the operation, the Indian army blatantly fired towards Chinese border guards and the guards were forced to take countermeasures to stabilize the situation on the ground." India's actions seriously violated the relevant agreements between India and China, pushing up regional tensions and easily causing misunderstandings and misjudgments. They are serious military provocations and are of a very bad nature. We request the Indian side to immediately stop dangerous actions, immediately withdraw personnel who have crossed the border, strictly restrain frontline troops and investigate and punish personnel who fired shots to ensure that similar incidents do not occur again. Unquote. The Indian Army responded in a statement saying, and I quote again, at no stage has the Indian Army transgressed across the line of actual control or resorted to the use of any aggressive means including firing. It is the People's Liberation Army that has been blatantly violating agreements and carrying out aggressive maneuvers while engagement at military, diplomatic and political level is still in progress. Unquote. Hours before the standoff allegedly occurred, India's Minister of External Affairs S J Shankar had said that the situation along the India-China border was very serious and called for a very very deep conversation between the two sides at a political level. The southern bank of the area of Pangong So Lake has recently emerged as a new area of confrontation between the two countries. India said it thwarted provocative movements by Chinese troops in the region twice last week on August 29th and August 31st. Tensions first erupted in early May, but the situation escalated dramatically in June when Indian and Chinese troops engaged in a violent standoff at the Galwan Valley of Ladakh on June 15th, leaving 20 Indian soldiers dead and 76 wounded. China meanwhile has not acknowledged any casualties. In connection with the 2018 outbreak of violence at Bhima Koregaon in Maharashtra, the National Investigation Agency or NIA yesterday arrested activists Sagar Gorkhe and Ramesh Gaichor. These arrests follow a string of other apprehensions supposedly connected with the Elgar Parishad case. In July, the same agency had also arrested Delhi University professor Hani Babu and summoned many others for questioning. The two activists arrested yesterday were active members of the Bhima Koregaon Shorya Din Prerna Abhiyan which was the body that organized the Elgar Parishad event on December 31, 2017. The conclave was held at Shaniwarwara in Pune ahead of the 200th anniversary of the Battle of Bhima Koregaon of the Third Anglo-Maratha War. In it, Dalit leaders discussed strategies to combat communalism and the rise in violence by Hindutva groups. The next day thousands of dalits were in the area participating in the celebrations commemorating the historic war. During these celebrations right-wing groups were allegedly incensed by the previous day's meeting and violence broke out. At least 2 people were killed. However, in recent months police and investigative agencies have accused the organizers of the Elgar Parishad event of being Maoists who instigated the violence by making communal statements against Hindutva groups during the meeting. 14 people have been arrested so far all academics activists and lawyers several rights organizations have criticized the government's action in the elgar parishad bhima koregaon investigations as stifling dissent and have called it an attempt to criminalize and silence intellectuals in india 
An article worth reading related to how the lack of Dalits in newsrooms colored big media's coverage of the Bhima Koregaon case is by Rajesh Rajamani on newslaundry.com. The opinion piece from 2018 is titled Bhima Koregaon and the Savarna Gaze. Let me read you an excerpt. It is very often a dreadful task to read anything on caste in the mainstream media. Filled with journalists soaked in caste privilege, big media either doesn't get caste or refuses to get it. So, it wasn't surprising that in the aftermath of the attack on Dalits in Bhima Koregaon and the protests that followed, a section of journalists and commentators produced plenty of cringe-worthy arguments. The top spot is certainly tied between Vivek Agnihotri and Abhijit Majumdar for their now viral tweets. Agnihotri, filmmaker and columnist, wrote a passionate tweet about how the caste pyramid has been inverted because, oh well, supposedly a Dalit person was travelling in business class 1A while Agnihotri Highness was seated at 26B. Oh wait, 26B? B? Ah, karma is a middle seat and he truly deserved it. If not for the tweet, then at least for all those terrible movies he forced upon us. Dear listeners, just last year for our annual event, the Media Rumble, we published an in-depth survey report of caste representation in Indian newsrooms. The findings were dismal to say the least. Most Indian newsrooms are dominated by upper caste, especially when it comes to leadership or decision-making positions. To find out more about this, do watch our video explainer called NL Cheat Sheet – How Caste Shapes Indian Newsrooms. In yet another development in the Sushant Singh Rajput case, the late actor's girlfriend Rhea Chakrabarti has been arrested in Mumbai by the Narcotics Control Bureau after three days of questioning in connection to the drugs-related allegations against her. According to an NDTV report, she admitted to organising drugs for Sushant Singh Rajput and also consuming them at times. A court in Mumbai on Saturday had sent Rhea Chakrabarti's brother Shovik Chakrabarti and Rajput's former house manager Samuel Miranda to the NCB custody till September 9th. They were arrested on Friday night after the agency had searched their homes. Meanwhile, the Mumbai police this morning also filed an FIR charging Rajput's sisters Priyanka Singh and Meetu Singh and a doctor from Delhi with abetment to suicide, cheating, forgery and criminal conspiracy in connection with the case. In the complaint, which was reported to have been filed yesterday, Chakrabarti accused Priyanka Singh of acquiring a bogus medical prescription from the accused doctor for Sushant Singh Rajput. Chakrabarti claimed that Rajput died five days later after these medicines were wrongly prescribed to him. This act of prescribing the psychotropic medicines without any consultation or examination, if true, would be in violation of the Narcotics, Drugs and Psychotropic Substances Act of 1985. The complaint further said that the medicines prescribed by the doctor, who is an assistant professor of cardiology at the Ram Manohar Lohia Hospital, were illegally prescribed as such drugs cannot be prescribed electronically without consultation. This, the complaint says, was in violation of the Telemedicine Practice Guidelines of 2020. Rajput was found dead in his apartment in Bandra on June 14th in what the Mumbai police said was a case of suicide. The Narcotics Control Bureau or the NCB is the latest agency to be drawn into the case which is already being investigated by the CBI and the Enforcement Directorate. Rhea Chakrabarti is the key accused in the case. And now for some international updates. As of today, more than 27.3 million people worldwide have been found to be infected by the COVID-19 virus. More than 18.3 million of these cases have recovered while 891,000 people have lost their lives to the disease. 
The Russian government declared today that the first batches of the coronavirus vaccine called Sputnik V have been released into civil circulation in Moscow and that the majority of the Russian capital's resident will be vaccinated in the coming few months. According to the Russian Health Ministry, the delivery of the first batches of the vaccine to the rest of the country's regions is planned in the near future. French footballer Kylian Mbappé has tested positive for COVID-19. Mbappé plays for the French national team and for PSG in the French league. He will miss this week's Nation League international game against Croatia, according to the French Football Federation. In Hong Kong, virus restrictions were eased yesterday, allowing larger public gatherings, reopening of sports venues and recreation spaces, and extension of nighttime outdoor dining hours. The measures come as new daily cases have dropped to single digits from three figures. A Saudi Arabian court yesterday convicted and sentenced eight people in the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. Three suspects were acquitted. Of the eight people convicted, the Riyadh Criminal Court handed out 20-year prison sentences to five convicts. In October 2018, Jamal Khashoggi, a journalist working for the Washington Post, was brutally murdered at the Saudi Arabian consulate in Istanbul, Turkey. His body was said to have been dismembered inside the embassy and disposed of elsewhere, but his remains were never found. A body double wearing Khashoggi's clothes had left the embassy. The killing was allegedly ordered by the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, according to the CIA. The Saudi courts, however, have maintained that the killing was not planned, saying that the investigation showed that the killing was not premeditated and the decision was taken at the spur of the moment. However, no senior official has been convicted of the murder, leading global observers to call the trial a sham. German doctors treating Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny said yesterday that he is out of a medically induced coma and that his condition has improved. He was allegedly poisoned and evacuated to Berlin last month. Alexei Navalny is an outspoken critic of the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. He had collapsed on a flight from Siberia to Moscow on August 20th after drinking a cup of tea at the airport. The medical team treating him found traces of the Soviet-era nerve agent Novichok, which was likely used to poison him. In a statement yesterday, the Berlin hospital said, and I quote, the patient has been removed from his medically induced coma and is being weaned off mechanical ventilation. He is responding to verbal stimuli. It remains too early to gauge the potential long-term effects of his severe poisoning, unquote. Before I sign off, dear listeners, I suggest you read Ayush's piece on the FIRs against Muhammad Zubair, who is the co-founder of Alt News, a well-known and important fact-checking site that has busted many fake news stories. Ayush spoke to the man behind the FIRs, who is a right-wing troll known for posting expletives on a regular basis on Twitter. His article is titled, Meet the Chhattisgarh Man Behind the FIRs Against Alt News Co-Founder. So, dear listeners, as citizens, it is time for you to step up to execute your duties and rights. Support independent media organizations, support people who tell you the truth, because telling the truth, as you can see, is an expensive affair. And this is exactly why News Laundry was born. We are an independent media organization that is 100% free of advertisements. We realize that as long as there are advertisers and sponsors in the middle, media cannot be truly free. Subscribe to us and subscribe to other independent media outlets. The best way to show that you care is by helping small organizations like us survive in this world dominated by legacy media. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch 
all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.